It's time for the Thursday Night Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. The Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show is presented by Mechdyne. Headquartered in Marshalltown and founded by Iowa State grads, Mechdyne is a collection of technology companies that remove obstacles to insight and understanding. Now, here is your host, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's a Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show powered by Mechdyne. Here on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Our last show of the year for uh, the 2020-2021 sports seasons. Jared Stansberry got easy on the other side of the glass. What's up tonight, my man? Not much. Just uh, looking forward to the NFL draft tonight. Yeah, there we go. What time does it officially start? Seven? Right after this. Yeah, okay. seven o'clock. Yeah, so it, uh, it won't be I, long after. Trevor Lawrence will be a Jaguar. It'll still be the full amount because that's what I love is the Jaguars have known for forever that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. They're going to get 10 minutes on the clock and they're going to use nine minutes and 50 seconds of it. Hopefully they don't use the full 10 minutes like the Vikings did that one time. Oh, uh, That two times, yeah. That happened twice? I thought that only happened one time. No, it happened back-to-back years, but one of them, it didn't end up mattering because they just went long and then still got their pick in. The other year, Baltimore actually jumped ahead of them and said, hey, if it says we're on the clock and they don't have their pick in, giddy up. Yikes. That's a that's a tough scene. Will Aaron Rodgers still be a Green Bay Packer by the time Trevor Lawrence becomes a Jacksonville Jaguar? I think so, but I have to put... The words, I think, in there, that's not something I would have thought a few hours ago. I would have said, oh, abs- absolutely, because there was all this talk about San Francisco was, was you know, kicking the tires, and everybody was saying, yeah, but Green Bay's not interested, and all of a sudden, well, maybe they were more interested than people thought. Well, regardless, I can't wait for the Trevor Lawrence and Tim Tebow connection at uh, quarterback and, and tight end. Uh, I, can, I can promise you that, but... Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, all right, man, last show of the year, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to take some questions. I've got some stuff on Twitter, got some stuff on the Cyclone Fanatic forums as well. Uh, I'll probably bounce some of these things off you if that's okay with you. Uh, if you guys have questions that you would like to ask us live on the air, you can call in at 515-284-5966, and uh, we'll take anything and everything, Iowa State, whether it's football, basketball, I'm assuming that those are the two main things that we will field, but uh, if you have anything else that you want to get off your chest, I suppose we can do that as well. All right, first one, though. This one came in to me this afternoon from my friend Alex Gookin. Uh, Gookin and I actually went to college together, so I've, I've known Gookin for a long time, and I thought that this was a really good question and one that I think sparked some interesting conversation, some interesting uh, reflection. I actually thought about this a lot of the afternoon ever since he tweeted at me. And it's, what's more likely for Iowa State this year to make the college football playoff or make the NCAA tournament in men's basketball? Uh, I think that the easy first way to put this and the one that would make it would require the least thought is probably men's basketball based purely on the fact that 68 teams get in rather than four. I'm interested to hear what your first take is, though, Easy. I would say the college football playoff. And it's crazy to think that three, four, five years ago that would be the answer. One, it's saying that while it's much more difficult, it goes to show that I think that Iowa State is on the right track. I think that T.J. Otzelberger, and now the more I think about it, I mean, he, he is, I, I think he's riding the ship in a very fast approach. But you're talking about a team that won zero big 12 games so unless it's a hey 
they're slowly coming around, and then they just get hot in the Big 12 tournament. I guess that's a possibility. But I still think by a slim margin, if you told me I could you know, get paid $100 if either one of them hit, then right now I would say I would be with Matt Campbell and the football team. Man, I think you're... I think you're probably right, but it's just, it's tough for me to like make that jump when you consider, I mean, how many teams have made the college football playoff? I think 12 ever, 12 different programs have ever made the college football playoff. It's yeah. it's something like that. Not very many of the 130 something that play division one, uh, FBS football. And that's why like in basketball, as good as the big 12 is, I mean, if you go 10 and eight in the big 12, which you know, they went 0-18 last year. Like, is going 10-8 and a given? Obviously not. But I don't think that it's, like, that crazy when you look at what's kind of happened around the rest of the league. I mean, you could, beat, you could beat TCU twice. I mean, that's, like, somewhat conceivable. Oklahoma doesn't look like they're going to be that good. Like, you could beat Oklahoma. So, like, I, can, I could talk myself into it. But with the college football playoff, like, you have to have so many things go your way. Obviously, you just got to do your do your thing week after week. But it's just like, you think about doing your thing week after week. Okay, well, you probably got to beat Oklahoma once, probably twice to like really feel super confident that you're going to be in that position. You got to hope that, you know, somebody else in front of you loses because Iowa State probably isn't going to start in that top four. Like there's, so there's so many different variables that are not near as controllable in my mind that uh, would have to come into play. And like I said, just statistically, like the odds of you making a field of 68 are higher than making a field of four. If Iowa State makes a college football playoff, what do you think that they're looking at going into the football playoff with losses? Do you think, okay, they've, they've got to be an undefeated team or maybe they've got one quality loss? I mean, I think you can only have one. I, you know, I, I, if you have one and it's to Oklahoma in the regular season, right? Which would be what, like the first week in November, and then you got to turn around and play them again in the first week in December. Like, I would think that gets Iowa State in, but then there becomes it depends a on what else is going on. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, and, yeah like, right. and that's and that's assuming that you know there's not a pack a Pac-12 team, a Big Ten team, an SEC team, and an ACC team that are all undefeated, which I don't think we've ever seen that happen before. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of things that have to go into play where for you to get in with one loss, then to sneak back in. And do we like, do we know that Iowa State's name brand good, is good enough then to bump them up? Like, I have no question that Oklahoma's is, but is Iowa State's? If you're asking me, it, what it boils down to is what do I think is more likely? Iowa State basketball goes 10 and 8, 11 and 7 in the Big 12 and has a decent non con, or the football team goes undefeated or has one loss. Again, it's a great question. I still think I, I I don't think that a one loss Iowa State football team is out of the question this year. No, I absolutely don't think I don't think that's out of the question either. I mean, in in fact, like I and I'm sure Chris has talked about this. I think if you look at it right now, they're probably going to be favored in eleven of those twelve regular season games. Right and, now, for them, it's mostly about don't stub your toe against an opponent that. Sometimes historically you don't get up for like there are those games where you're like you're supposed to win now go out and win them right and that's I think that's going to be the thing that will be interesting for this team this year and they you know they kind of had to deal with this at the tail end of this last year but I mean you're going to go into that Iowa game as a probably pretty clear favorite you know I'm sure it'll still be at most five points 
would be what you'd be favored, especially with it being at Jack Trice Stadium. But you know, then you get into into Big Twelve play, and I'd have to pull up their schedule. How much do you but. think the fact that the recent historical success of Iowa over Iowa State plays into that line? I mean, I it, I don't think it could be worth much, but you're right. I don't think that they're going to be huge favorites simply because. Matt Campbell's still looking for that first win against Iowa. Right. I mean, I I just don't think that when you've lost to a team, what, now six, five, six years in a row, like how can you, how could Vegas conceivably be like, oh yeah, we see them beating them by a touchdown this year. But it's weird because normally you'd say, okay, the last time we saw these teams was last season. Right. Now it's two years removed, and so that means that much less of the... I always hate when they bring up like tournament success of teams... And it's, or, or when Chris gets on his thing about, oh, this franchise, you know, the Minnesota Vikings can't do this, can't do that. Like, yeah, most of those losses you're talking about have nothing to do with the current roster. And so in college football, yeah, you can sit here and say, well, nobody on this Iowa State team has beat Iowa. But at the same time, but half of the Iowa team hasn't even played Iowa State. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And I think like it, it, yeah. It just comes down to the historical aspect of the rivalry. And at the end of the day, like the rivalry games are probably always going to be pretty close to toss ups. Like outside of the one time that, uh, in Matt Campbell's first year, I think the final score is 48 to three when Iowa had a top 10 team and Iowa State was absolutely dreadful. Like most of the time when I've covered the Cyhawk game, it has always been within a score. And usually, for most of the game. Yeah. And usually it's going to be projected that way. And if it ever starts to get, that's why I love, um, when the NFL playoffs roll around and you've got teams that meet in the playoffs that played each other twice because they're in the same division, if one of them is a heavy favorite, take the underdog in the points because those games are... In fact, it shouldn't even say the playoffs. When you have divisional games that one team is heavily favored... It's usually closer than people expect it to be, and it's that same kind of mentality. Is you're right. Every once in a while, you'll you will see everything roll one team's way, but more often than not, you can't sit here and tell me that your team's down by a couple of scores, but it's a Cyhawk game. You're going to figure out a way to get back in that game. Yeah, and and now that I have Iowa State's schedule pulled up, so say for instance Iowa State goes eleven and one of these game of of. For them to go eleven and one, and then you in that scenario probably would have to assume that they beat Oklahoma or whoever in the Big Twelve Championship game. I see that they could potentially and like potentially lose and still make the college football playoff. Like I think they could probably lose to Iowa early in the season. It would not do them very much good just because of the fact that's at home. That would be, I think, one of the big knocks there. Yeah. On the road at Kansas State, I could see that being one that someone could figure out a way to explain away. And then probably on the road at Oklahoma. I mean, I think the rest of them would, if you lost any, you know, if you lose to Texas at home, if you lose on the road at West Virginia, you lose to Oklahoma State at home. Like they have some of those games that are going to be big games at home to where it would be a lot harder to be like, oh, well, you know, this went wrong, this went wrong, this went wrong, unless you had a bunch of injuries or something like that, which we obviously hope is not the case. So like, I just don't see a way where Iowa State makes the college football playoff if they probably don't beat everybody besides Oklahoma and then some and then come back and beat Oklahoma again 2 weeks later. But. Yeah, and and with that September 11th game versus Iowa, right now I feel like I don't know 
I, I feel like the grade on Iowa is an incomplete because we saw them less than we normally did last year, and then you you you're still trying to figure out where they are with Petrus. I just I, I could see Iowa State winning every game but Iowa, and at the end of the year, going somebody going, look how good Iowa is. That's that's a quote unquote quality loss. I could also see them losing to Iowa, running the table. And then at the end of the year, that is just a black eye on the season because Iowa just didn't develop into what Hawkeye fans were hoping they would. Yeah, and I, man, that would be awful. If they went 12-1 and one and won the Big 12 and their only loss that kept them out of the cultural playoff was to Iowa. And Iowa fans would not let Cyclone fans hear the end of it for, I mean, I'd be sick. decades. I would be sick. I, would, I think I would physically throw up if that happened. All right, this one's from the forums, Clone Guy 8 on the Cyclone Fanatic forums. Would you take the over-under on Jairo Brock rushing for 450 yards this year? Jairo Brock, the presumed uh, backup running back for Iowa State behind Brees Hall. And I, I pulled up Iowa State's numbers from last year, and obviously they only played 12 games total. Brees Hall ran for 1,500 yards, uh, 1,572 yards this last year, averaged 131 yards a game. I think that it's conceivable to think that number could go up when you consider that Iowa State returns all of its offensive linemen, all the production that's returning around Brees, and the fact that we can probably expect Brees to be better individually as well. So I'd say like keep that number probably around 1,700, I think, wouldn't be crazy to think. So that's okay. an extra 128 yards for him. Brock Purdy ran for 382 yards this last year. And then Kanae Nwongwe ran for 339 yards. So that's 31, 32 yards a game and about 28 yards a game. I I would say like if the over-under is 450, then I would probably have to take under just based on the added production for Brees Hall, even with the two extra games, because of the fact that like he's probably going to get more carries. You can assume that Brock Purdy will probably be more involved than maybe he was last year. And there's just not that much more production to really go around. But I still think like 350, 400, like if it was 400, I'd probably be a little bit more on the fence. But I think when it's 450, I'm going to take the under. The people who will say here, I'm going to take the over on 450, are probably going to be people saying Iowa State goes undefeated or has one loss. I mean, this really to me says, how often do you think you're going to be up by three or four scores in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden you're saying, let's get Brees out of there, let's keep him rested. So, I mean, looking at the schedule, yeah, there are going to be some games that they should be favored heavily. Here's the problem. Iowa State gets in dogfights when they should just roll somebody. Like, when you look at some of the games early, like a UNI, you're hoping that that's a game, if you're a Cyclone fan, that is running away in the third quarter. That's right. an area where he could pick up some yards. And then some of the weaker Big 12 competition, same thing. I it, If he goes over 450, then that is a testament on, one, the season is probably going really well, and two, that Matt Campbell is really utilizing everybody because he's thinking – we need Brees for December. We need Brees for January, and we want to keep him as fresh as possible. But you're you're right. 450 is a big number. I'd take the under there, too. If he gets 450, then I would say 
we're in a position where Jairo Brock probably has close to 200 yards or more by the end of September because they blew out UNI, they blew out UNLV. Yeah. And then by the time they get to their bye week on October 9th after playing Kansas, like he's right there in the range of 350 before like you get to Kansas State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Like I think, you know, at Texas Tech, like we've seen them kind of roll up on those teams before. Obviously they rolled up on Kansas State and West Virginia last year. So like to think that he could come in and run for 75 to 100 yards in those games, is that crazy? No. But I mean, I, I think he would have to get the bulk of that very early in the season probably. And it would be like halfway through the year would be like, yeah, Jairo Brock's going to get close to 500 yards this year. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I think that if that's going to be attained, he's probably going to need about half of it in those first three games. And the, the other way, the other ways that he could get it is if he's in some time and just rips off, a, you know, if he, if he has a couple of 75, 80 yard runs, I mean, that's, you know, has two of those, that's a third of the way there. The other thing, obviously, we don't want to think about is I was thinking if he gets to that plateau that the season has gone really well, the other way it could be is obviously if something happens at Brees Hall. So we're hoping that uh, any of the time that he's picking up yardage it's just to spell a breeze and not because you know right something like it like an injury yeah uh, a couple quick ones here before we take a, a break here on the cyclone fanatic radio show powered by mechdine uh after xavier hutchinson and Tariq milton who is going to be the other wide receiver who is going to step up this year for the iowa state offense we know what the tight ends bring to the table as well but what others receivers other wide receivers in the room step up i think there's a couple guys at that position that you can definitely pinpoint as possibilities to step up one is uh, Daniel Jackson who got some early playing time last year before a season ending injury I think they feel really good about what he brings to the table I think he's someone that has a lot of potential to uh, make a big jump going into you know I guess his second freshman year his true sophomore season however you want to look at it Uh, and then another one is Joe Skates we know what his talent level is when he came into Iowa State where his uh, you know he showed some of that ceiling ability that at different times, some of the flashes of that potential. We just haven't seen it all come together yet. Can he do that in whatever this is going to be now, year four uh, of his time at Iowa State, and really put a lot of that together to be someone who can make a big impact? I think that those are two names uh, that you can pinpoint there. Whether they'll be able to do that, I don't know. I think that those would probably be the two most likely guys to emerge as that number three. And number four receivers uh, at uh, for Iowa State behind Xavier Hutchinson and Tariq Milton. Uh, we'll go to the phones now. Paul in Des Moines. Paul, what uh, what do you got to bring to the equation here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show? Hey, how you doing tonight, guys? Doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Just a recruiting question in basketball as far as for the last recruit that the clones have, what are the um, chances that they would be able to get the, uh, I think Arthur Kaluma is his name. He's a recruit from UNLV that... He's now back and open for recruiting. Yeah, I don't think that that one's in the. Uh, I don't think that that one's in the cards. Uh, I'll. They have a pretty clear idea, I think, of what they want to do with that that last scholarship. It's uh, man, Isaiah from uh, from Penn State. I can't remember his last name off the top of my head, but uh, oh I, yeah, he's the wing uh, player. Yeah, the it averaged about fourteen points a game last year. I think. Yeah, yeah. that's Washington. Yeah, 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 Brockington. Yeah, he's the he's the primary target at that spot. So I I don't see that being uh being somewhere that they they really kick the tires. So I think that they've kind of got their eggs in that basket right now. And obviously there's a lot of time left too. You never know who could enter the portal in the next month or several weeks. You know. You know what the timetable might be for the Brockington? I don't. Um, I don't. Okay. 
No, no, I haven't. Uh, I, that'll probably be something that we'll be digging into here more in the coming days. I know that it was still early uh, once the week started in that recruitment. So, okay, well, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you, Paul. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. If anybody else has a question they'd like to ask, you can call in five one five two eight four five nine six six. We're going to be taking more questions. I've got more questions on Twitter and on the Cyclone Fanatic forums. And when we come back on the CF Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three FM. to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show powered by Mechdyne here on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Who is this? Saweetie featuring Doja Cat, which by the way, I found to be the funniest artist performing name ever because a buddy of mine has had a cat for forever named Doja. And so when like what is I, Doja? Why, why would it? What is it? Yeah. Um, I don't know for a fact. I assume it has something to do with knowing him. Something to do with four twenty. Oh, I that that that's just a guess from the hip. Fair enough. Uh, that makes sense. I guess I I don't know. I've never listened to Doja Cat's music, but I guess I, 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 I wouldn't be shocked. I've started to a little bit, and at first, like I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be a real thing. This is just amazing that we found this obscure artist." And all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh no, she's she's doing well for herself." Does it mean that I'm starting to get old when I like don't listen to the new rappers? Um, not necessarily, but in this instance, probably. Like I now, I just sit and wait for. I wait for my rappers to come out, you know. Like we've waited four years for new Kendrick Lamar. They, you know, TDE yesterday teased that there's something coming from one of their artists. The hope is that it's Kendrick. Uh, it would kind of be out of left field, I think, if it was him. Then that nobody knew about it. But uh, him, J Cole, you know, Schoolboy Q. But if it's anybody else, I just ignore it. Is it telling, or is it old of me that most times I hear these new artists usually just. 12 seconds of them in some TikTok video that sometimes I find mildly amusing and sometimes I'm like, well, that was a waste of 12 seconds. Yeah. Well, that's usually how TikToks go. If Fair enough. being completely honest. All right. Back to the questions here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show powered by Mechdyne. If you've got a question, you can call in 515-284-5966. This one back from, uh, from the forums. Cooler, if you did, what is the appropriate way to celebrate a season opening kickoff that goes through the end zone for a touchback? Oh, uh, I think that after everything that we've had to deal with for the last several years on special teams for Iowa State, well, I would say kissing your neighbor, the person sitting next to you is probably not exactly pandemic proofed, but a high five. I don't know. What do you think? I would say just, and the, I'm not even a fan, but I'd say f- finishing a bush light, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to bootleg a bush slide into uh, Jack Trice Stadium and shotgun it immediately after the opening kickoff, then I think that that is uh, absolutely appropriate. Oh, yeah, I forgot. See, I, I, I'll I, be honest, I forgot that... They, do, do they not sell it anywhere? They do in the suites, in the suites. and in the end zone club. Okay, because uh, when so I... not for the normal people. Right, because when I went mm, well, a couple I mean, of seasons ago... People, right, I, I get yeah, what you're yeah, saying, yeah. but but for the, the, the common folk like me, right, right. I had that um, somehow explained to me wrong so i circled the whole place like oh i'm sure it's got to be around here somewhere and like i kept 
hearing from people who are working like, oh, yeah, I think it's further down there. Like people who are just like, I don't want to deal with this guy. Mm-hmm. They could probably tell that I had no idea what you're doing. Oh, I was yeah. going to say that I didn't need any more. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I wouldn't put it past like some of the people that hang out in those lots to like shove a bush light into their pants. I mean, in the middle of, you know, in early September, like that's not, might not be unwelcomed. You know, the cool refreshment of a book. I'm not going to even talk about this. I remember, I remember going to the restroom and in the stall seeing like four or five like purse shot bottles Mm -hmm. that were like lined up. And I was like, easy to sneak in a sock i well no i was just proud because like my connection to iowa state is my sister and i'm like i'm so glad you went to the school oh yeah man you haven't seen anything easy that's uh that's nothing uh all right to twitter tony farrell which xavier will have a better isu career xavier hutchinson or xavier foster uh man that's a tough one well i mean i think based on what we saw this last year you'd have to say xavier hutchinson but it also brings in the question of like how much does longevity matter? Like if Xavier Foster stayed for four years and had a really, really good four year career at Iowa State, and Xavier Hutchinson played only one more year of football at Iowa State before going to the NFL, wouldn't Xavier Foster basically by default have a better career? Or like how good would Xavier Hutchinson have to be to overshadow that? I don't think that it's necessarily just on. I mean, the longevity helps ask. Jordan Bohannon. Yeah, well, but yeah. see, here's my thing. We're gonna talk about him here. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say Foster, but I have to admit that I have a bias of I got to mm-hmm. call some of his games while he was in high school, and I think, I I I think that TJ might find so might bring so much out of him. Like he was a kid that in high school. He could breeze through it because he wasn't playing against competition that he needed to be. I mean, he could go out and be a six out of ten on a given night, and most basketball fans would go, "Oh, he had a great game." Yeah. And then, like, he's in the the locker room afterwards, like, "Oh, I I, I played awful." But I I uh, I, I think that I, I think that it's going to be the unpopular opinion. I'm going to say Xavier Foster because I just think that given some time and a system that that works for him i think that a lot of people after his freshman year went oh this guy isn't what we thought he was he is it was just really hard to get somebody coming from the level he was into big 12 basketball particularly when the rest of the team didn't wasn't having any success and then obviously it became a moot point in anyway when he got injured so i'm absolutely with you i think you know that like i I think that I, uh, Xavier Foster is a huge piece of what Iowa State is going to do moving forward. I think that kid has a sky-high ceiling, and he's going, he will have a fantastic career at Iowa State, whether that's two more years, three more years, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But let me lay this out to you. So Xavier Hutchinson already has been the Big 12 Offensive Newcomer of the Year, first-team All-Big 12 player. He'll come into this next year as a guy who will be you know, on the Bolitnikoff watch list, will be a preseason all big 12 guy if he comes out has an all-american season is one of i don't know the five best receivers in college football and the team reaches those heights that we think that we could how good then does xavier foster's career have to be to eclipse that like if you have an all-american like does does xavier foster then have to be an all-american like i said he's gonna have two more years after that to 
build up on some accolades. So it's like there's or three years, I guess, really. So like there's a lot more. I don't know. Like I, Xavier Foster had more time to build up more accolades than what Xavier Hutchinson does. That that's fair, but with Hutchinson just on the offensive side of the ball, you've got to be competing with Purdy and Brees and Kolar. So I think that Foster it is in a situation where if two years from now he's the guy on Iowa State or even in the top two or three based on the fact that the, the the way the sports are it, it he's a little bit more high profile and and I hate to say this but part of that has to do with the fact that he's out there the majority of the time versus in football you're going to be out there if you're an offensive or a defensive guy about 45% of the time and then should this factor in maybe not but basketball is a sport that it it kind of being able to see your face, being able to have that, I don't even know if it's being marketability. Being an Iowa kid too probably matters. For sure. Like, for sure. I mean, I mean, I don't know how much of this factors in at the end of the day. Yeah. But he chose Iowa State over Iowa. Don't tell me that if he doesn't come back and have a, a really strong sophomore and junior season that people aren't going to still be like, ha ha, the Hawkeyes wanted this guy and he came to us. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think if Xavier Foster ends up to be an All Big Twelve player, then it will be hard for anybody to say that he didn't have a better career. But again, like like you said, I, I think the, if, if Iowa State maxes out like they could this year, I don't think Xavier Foster pro- or Xavier Hutchinson probably will be the first person that comes in anybody's minds. But yeah. if Iowa State's going to max out in men's basketball in the next three to four years, then Xavier Foster probably will be. I think Hutchinson is the more popular answer. I I I still am going to go with Foster again. I have to disclaim my my bias there and i think that's completely fair i mean i I think we're probably about in the in the same position uh from michael hayden which two big 12 teams will i obviously have the most difficulty beating this fall besides oklahoma and texas i mean i think the first obvious one is probably oklahoma state uh the only team that beat iowa state in the regular season last year the only big 12 team excuse me uh and then i'm i think the other one is probably tcu because I think that team has an opportunity to be considerably better than what they were last year. Have Max Duggan uh, now in year three as a starter. And you have to play him at the very end of the regular season, which makes me think that that will be when they're probably gelling the best. So I would probably say those two, Kansas State maybe a close third, just because of all of the past pain that Kansas State has caused us. I was going to say it's interesting that both the ones that you went with uh, initially, Oklahoma State and TCU being home games. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the road schedule, it's at Baylor, at Kansas State, at West Virginia, at Texas Tech before ultimately that that last road regular season game at, at Oklahoma. So I, I, I think you're right. And quite honestly, um, I think I lean OK State before. Yeah. TCU. I think OK State is is a clear number one. Yeah. For the third one, and then I think there's a lot. It's probably a lot more jumbled. For what it's TCU. worth, for what it's worth, it's homecoming. Does how much does that? I mean, the fact that you didn't really even get to have fans last year. Does how I don't much know. does that matter in college? I, I think mean, it in high school, school it's a big school. deal. You know, I mean, I remember homecoming being a a thing at Iowa State. Obviously, when I was in school, but like. 
I wasn't in a sorority, or obviously, I wasn't in a fraternity. <laughs> you didn't get uh, ribboned. <laughs> no, no, and I was so I wasn't helping out with like building the stuff that would be on campus. Yeah. I wasn't going to the homecoming events or anything like that. Like I don't know how big of a deal that really is at the end of the day. And I would say it wasn't big at all at my school, but we were D two and everything, but men's and women's hockey. So, yeah, our. Our uh, school actually about ten years ago did away with homecoming. They were like, like completely, yeah. They they basically said it was just um, reinforcing negative stereotypes that people come back to St. Cloud to drink. Yep, that's factual. Uh, they said that there would be where other, is St. Cloud? Uh, like right in the middle of the state of Minnesota. So uh, it makes is more sense. It is north, northwest of the Twin Cities yeah. by, depending on where in the cities, between hour and hour 15. Um, and quite honestly, th- they were telling us things like, well, there are other events and festivals that alumni can come back for, like Lemonade Days, which was an arts and crafts thing. And I'm like, I went to St. Cloud. I'm going to go back there for two reasons, to watch hockey games and to drink. I'm I'm sorry. Lemonade days wasn't a thing on my radar when I was here. I'm certainly not coming back for it. Yeah, that's a really bad argument, but that's kind of why I asked where where it was at, too. I I can imagine what the makeup of the administration is at St. Cloud. What do you mean? Uh, imagine that they're more conservative. Um, the the town the city of st cloud is super conservative the school is super liberal and Hmm. it was really fun to watch the dichotomy of like students and i don't even mean like politically i mean just like generally you know no i i I wouldn't say i really no no they're pretty pretty open-minded in fact um my sophomore year our homecoming queen was a guy and then they decided uh, we're no longer doing King Queen. It's just homecoming party. And that was back in like 2003, 2002. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I guess I just, in my mind, I have no idea why I would have thought this. I was thinking St. Cloud State being like, uh, you know, going there being like Waco. Haven't been to Waco, so I can't say whether or not that that's a fair comparison, but it's probably closer than i want it to be <laughs> i've never, i haven't been to waco either i just have heard what it's like at baylor i uh, gotcha yeah uh okay which player breaks the first round drought for cyclone football you know how long the drought is for iowa state football with the first round oh was it 76 yeah yeah it's many years many, yeah. Uh, yeah is that actually i think it's maybe 70 Seven. I can't, okay. Can't remember for certain. So okay. I'm, so, or I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it a year. No. No. Than no. You're good. I'm just trying to minimize it as much as I can. I, yeah. It's either 76, 77, or 78. Either way, a long time. Um. I I, I think it's got to be Brees Hall, isn't it? I think it'd be Brock Purdy. You think so? Only because I'm looking at next year's quarterbacks and nobody's really jumping out like there's. The kid at USC, like you're not I'm a Sam not, Howell guy at UNC, not really. I mean, th- here's the thing that's crazy: it should be, but in uh, 15 minutes, and then the next three days, we're going to learn just how much the 
NFL is devaluing the running back position. I mean, look at guys like a year or two ago. It was like, oh, Travis ATN is going to hit the NFL running and, and, uh, Hubbard is going to hit the NFL. And like now people are like, yeah, maybe we'll get to him in like the second or third round. I don't know. Like how, how good does someone have to be to be? I mean, Christian McCaffrey still went high. Yes, and that's what exactly what I was going to say is how good do you have to be? You have to be multi-threat. You have to be you have to be a like a dynamic re- pass catcher. You have to be basically a slot receiver who can also run the ball. Okay. Which I guess we haven't really seen that like we've seen Brees catch the ball and run with the ball, which Zeke went pretty high, good. didn't he? Yeah, I think he was what second or third? third maybe yeah, he was top five but i mean but that's not something that's that you rare. see every year yeah. Yeah. um so here's what it would have to be one he's gonna have to go in with a, a, a great final season in Ames, but he's gonna have to go in with zero question marks as far as injuries injuries if, yeah. he, if he has so much as an ingrown toenail People are going to be like, eh, what could that lead to? Because we were we were just talking about this. Um, when you look at guys that are coming into the NFL and get drafted as running backs, it almost makes sense to get a good running back at the end of that first season, get them on a four-year contract, um, use the, the franchise tag and, and hit them for, or, or the option, excuse me, for that fifth year, and then say... We're done with you. We got five years out of you. Now you're somebody else's problem because for the most part, I can't think of too many running backs that end up switching teams and get better or even maintain. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that it would be him, Brock, and if it's not next year, then, I mean, I think Will McDonald will have a. With as good as he's been as a pass rusher, it wouldn't shock me if he somehow was able to jump up in there because of what he's been able to do uh, in his first two years on the field. That, that kid is unbelievably dynamic, and I think that his best football is still ahead of him. Where where do you see the pro prospects of Charlie Kolar? See, I think that I think he has great pro prospects. I think he's a guy who can get into the NFL and be really good. But it's is he that? You know, is he that Noah Fant type guy that has shown what he can do as a blocker enough to where someone would take him in the top ten, you know, or in the top fifteen? Like, is he a, a? He's obviously not Kyle Pitts, but is he? Is he T.J. Hawkinson? You know, like I, I, we know how good Charlie Kohler is. We know he's really good at catching the football, but does an NFL or is in, an NFL team going to evaluate evaluate that his blocking and all those things well enough to like value him that highly? And, it, can it be a Travis Kelsey? Can it be a Jimmy Graham? Those types of guys. And would he get a little bit more pub if he was coming from a school that maybe had some more history with putting tight ends in? I mean, I hate to say that, but the fact is a lot of times a guy will either get raised up or knocked down because they're like, well, former guys at your position from your school either really – took off in the NFL or didn't produce and sometimes sometimes it's not even that the people making the decisions are like oh I don't think this player is going to be good they're just worried but if it turns out wrong is everybody going to turn on me 
We, we in fact, talked to Matt Campbell about that, and Chris kind of, you know, got into that conversation with, like, how much does your job security factor into? Is a guy like Mac Jones more attractive to a team uh, to draft because the coach or the GM is like, well, if this bottoms out, I'm fired. Right. And so, therefore, maybe Trey Lance is better for our franchise, but what good does that do if he starts you know, making Pro Bowls two years after I'm out of here. For sure. All right, we need to take one more break. We'll have time for a couple more questions when we come back. If you have one, uh, call in during the break, 515-284-5966, and we'll get to you right away when we come back here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXO and 106.3 FM. Hey. You know my ex, so that makes it all feel complicated. Yeah. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Neckdyne. The last segment of the 2020-21 year here on the CF Radio Show. Want to give another shout-out to our friends at Neckdyne. Thank them for all they've done for us here this year. Hopefully next year we'll be back somewhere on location. Maybe we'll get Chris Williams to actually be on the show once in a while. Maybe Brent Bloom. That would be fantastic. Uh, Shout-out to Tim Mullen for, and uh, his team out at nebraska furniture martin clive for what they do for us during the fall and uh, hopefully we'll be back with them again here in uh, in august uh easy you said somebody called in during the break wanted to bring something up yeah and it was someone that said they couldn't hang on i think it might be because um they're an iowa fan and just didn't want uh, everyone to know that they're listening to the uh, cyclone fanatic but the uh, point that they brought up uh was that they felt that iowa state has a few guys returning that could have gone to the draft guys like Kolar that we mentioned, Mike Rose and Greg Eisworth. Um, do you think that those in particular guys um, are, are guys that could have succeeded in the NFL draft tonight as opposed to coming back? And, and kind of where what that says about the Cyclone program that these guys are coming back for whatever reason, if it's to increase dra- draft stock or, or just to kind of, you know, try to get to that thing that we always talk about that unfinished business um i think charlie kohler absolutely would, would have been drafted probably not tonight but this weekend uh, i think he would have been would have been picked probably in the middle rounds or something like that uh mike rose uh i don't know i'd probably defer to you on that one just because i don't know what the middle linebacker class is like uh for this draft group um, I think he is a guy who will play in the NFL. I think that he's proven that he has the ability to play any of those linebacker spots that, that you could be asked to, especially like in a traditional 4-3 system. Um, and then Greg Eisworth, I think injuries would probably be the big question that people would have about him. But does he have the talent? Absolutely, I think so. I think if Rose had gone, it's kind of 50-50 as to whether he would have gotten drafted. I always wonder, though, when you're getting into second half of the sixth and seventh round, I'm almost wondering how many of the guys are like, I'd rather not get drafted. So that way, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the same, almost the same deal as you know a seventh round guy or a guy who goes to a camp. And this way, I get to decide. Hey, I think that the best fit is blank. It's it's usually they have to make a decision. Mm-hmm too early to kind of read the tea leaves and say hey you know this team um you know had this sort of preseason injury whatever but i don't know i I've, I've always wondered if there were ever times where guys are like oh there's three picks left you know what i don't want to get drafted i want oh, i'm then, sure there absolutely are and then they get their yeah. their name uh, called and it's like detroit i mean i know race. that happens a lot in the nba like where oh you know, for sure tyrese halberton fell down the board last year and it we came to find out later that it was because he'd asked not to be picked by 
whoever. I mean, I think it was New York, Detroit, maybe Washington or something like that. He didn't mm-hmm. want to go to those places. He wanted to fall to Sacramento. Like I think that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me at all if that's the case in the NFL. I mean, I think, you know, Iowa State, whether or not they get someone picked, it will probably be on the last day of the draft this year. But I think that next year they've got probably five, six guys that very well could be picked uh, between Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Mike Rose, Greg Eisworth, Charlie Kohler, you know, uh, Xavier Hutchinson is another one I think you could throw in there. Uh, Any Wazirike, Orion Vance. Like, there's a bunch of dudes in this next class that could, I mean, where they could get, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe even picked. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty wild considering I don't think they've had 10 people picked since I've been covering the program. Well, Actually, I know they haven't. Well, after they have all that exposure in the college football playoff, why wouldn't all those people be looking at them? See, that's how you bring a show full circle right there. Easy. That's that's my hope is that in August when we come back, we will be uh, immediately be making a, a prediction that Iowa State will be going to the college football playoff. Last thing that someone asked, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? I'm fighting the horses because I hate birds. I don't want to fight a big duck like that. That'd be terrifying. Um, the duck-sized horses, because a horse-sized duck would freak me out. Yeah, that would be absolutely horrible. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys again in August here on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.